0: In your outline this morning, namely all the outline notes. And I thought I would explain myself a little bit because the way my mind works isn't exactly like everybody else's mind. I get ahead of myself a lot of the times. I am a little detached from reality at some times. Does anybody ever feel like that? Like you're just kind of away from reality a little bit. And so what happened this week was I'd been praying and praying and praying, and I thought I knew what message God wanted for me, but it turned out that it was a message I wanted to preach and not what God wanted me to preach, and so he said, no, you need to be in John chapter 9, and so that's where we're going to be today. If you want to open up your scriptures to John chapter 9, we're just going to go through the entire chapter, and God really laid this on my heart this week, and there's no sermon notes here because I could not for the life of me, come up with points to go along with this. And I kept stressing about that. Uh, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to put it in Proclaim. I didn't know how to put it on the back of your notes. And I just kept reading John chapter 9. And it just clicked one, just a couple days ago. Quit stressing about notes. Quit stressing about what you're going to put in the computer and just read my word, and speak the truth that I give you. And so I'm kind of stepping out on faith. I've never done this before. Uh, This is a little bit different for me, but I just want to set up some context before we get into this chapter because I think it's important. Jesus began his earthly ministry. He was towards the middle of his ministry whenever John chapter 9 is written. This is 2,000 years ago. This is in the middle of Israel, in the middle of Jerusalem, where there was a huge temple, and that's where all the Jewish people from the entire world would go once a year to gather and to worship God in the Holy Temple. Forty years after this event, the Romans would come in and destroy the entire temple. They would rip up literally every stone from on top of the other because they burned the temple down and all the gold that was in the temple would melt down into the cracks, and they would try to pry the bricks up to get to the gold. So here you are. There's no McDonald's. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no modern amenities. You're just in a hot, arid environment where there's pain and suffering and taxes, and if you don't pay your taxes, they will physically hurt you in this type of world. If you say the wrong religious idea, you could get murdered for it. If you have the wrong notion of who God is, maybe you have the right notion of who God is, but if, they, if the Jewish leaders think you have the wrong notion, they will put you to death. And here at the end of chapter 8, Jesus just announces to all of the religious leaders that he... God Almighty in the flesh. It says, Before Abraham was, I am. Now, whenever they saw this, the religious leaders picked up stones to kill Jesus, because that is blasphemy. And this is where we get the start of chapter 9. Just a little bit of context before. Chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Now as Jesus passed by... they picked up stones to stone Jesus, and he was leaving. I don't know how he did it. He disguised himself somehow. He teleported. I don't don't know. But he blended in with the crowd and just disappeared. As he passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Now, the context of this scripture isn't just that the man was blind. I think scripture is trying to Uh, sugarcoat a little fact that the man was actually born without eyes. That's kind of the context of this. He was born without any eyes, physically. Now, could you imagine being in an arid place with no Wi-Fi, no McDonald's, no modern amenities, nothing like that? Life is going to be hard enough. Life is going to be a struggle. Yet, this man was born blind. What is there to do for a blind man? You sit every day begging for food, hoping that somebody will come along and give you food and show you compassion. So That's what he did. He sat there every day begging for food, blind from birth. Now, Jesus has just passed by. He was getting ready to be stoned by the religious leaders, passes by this blind man, and his disciples ask him something. They say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I always find it weird whenever his disciples start talking, because they always seem to say the right thing, but in the wrong way. that makes sense? Like, they're always kind of putting their foots in their mouths, that sort of thing. And so instead of like, Jesus, can we help this man? They kind of stand back. This is how I picture it. And they're like, Jesus, who sinned? that this man was born blind. Now, we can be quick to do that. We can be quick to stand back and instead of having compassion, try to think through all the different ways that this issue or this problem or this suffering happened to us. Meanwhile, Jesus is the solution. Rabbi, who sinned? Teacher, who sinned that this this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, Jesus isn't saying his parents were sinless. He's not saying this man was sinless. He is saying it was nobody's sin that caused him to be born without eyes. Why was he born without eyes? Why did this pain and suffering have to fall on this man? Why does pain and suffering have to fall on you? Why does it have to happen? Why do you have to struggle with these things? Well, because we're in the world. And the world is full of darkness. And the light entered into the world, and that is Jesus Christ. He entered into this world, and he said, This man was born blind, not because of anybody's particular sin, but because I need to show my glory here on earth, and I need to show people for thousands of years into the future, whenever they read about this incident, that I am the light, and the darkness cannot overtake me. It is not a matter of this man's sin or his parents' sin. It's so that my glory can be shown. And if if you think this is just a special case just for him, this healing, this miraculous healing, let me read to you. I read this almost every time I preach. This is Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. The Apostle Paul is talking to the Greeks, and he says, And God has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. Listen to this. And he has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Everybody on the planet who has ever been born has been placed in a particular time in human history. You are here for a reason. You could have been a witness to the blind man. You could have been one of Jesus' disciples. You could have been born in Babylon 3,000 years ago, or Persia, or Egypt, or anywhere else, but you were born, and you're here. I think it's because God knows every possible outcome. His knowledge is complete, past, present, future, and hypothetical. He knows what would happen given any situation. And so He directly took you and placed you where you're supposed to be, so that, listen, so that you, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Back to John chapter 9. God has placed each of you in a position here in human history so that you might grope for him, that you might reach for him and find him. How many times do you think this man who was born blind just begged God have mercy on me have compassion. Maybe he thought it's better that I just wasn't even born. I don't know what was going on through his mind but I know that God placed him here in human history so that listen to this so that the works of God should be revealed in this man. Now if we read through this too quickly, we'll miss the point, point. and the point is that, yes, this man was born blind, but we are all born blind. We, all, we are all born into sin, and we all have blinders on until Jesus comes down and performs a miracle in our lives, taking us from blindness to sight, from death to life. And Here's what Jesus does in verse 5. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. This is such a bizarre story. Such a bizarre story. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The idea here is that Jesus literally formed new physical eyes from the clay of the ground and placed them in the man's head. Now, that, first of all, is astonishing to me because it it goes all the way back to whenever God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground. Right? And then here he is. Sin has corrupted humanity all the way down to this point. So much so that a man was born without eyes. And you could pause and and think that that's just something that can't be fixed. That's not something that can be just overcome. But Jesus, the creator of the universe, the one who came down in the flesh to work miracles so that we could see him performs this miracle and literally forms new eyes for this man and anoints him. Does he see right then? No. He just has these clay eyes. And then Jesus tells him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And it says that after he washed. So he went and washed and he came back seeing. When he went to wash, he was blind. After Jesus performed the miracle, it took faith on his end to go and wash and he came back seeing. Now, this was a huge deal. Nothing like this had ever been performed. We're going to read the scripture that says that. Nothing like this had ever been done. But Jesus he just kind of had his timing wrong. You see because Jesus accidentally did it on a Sabbath. It was an accident. He didn't realize that it was a Sabbath. Because he should have he should have waited till the next day, right? That's what the Pharisees are going to accuse him of. Don't get me wrong, Jesus does absolutely nothing by accident. This entire word here, this entire, from cover to cover, there's not a single line that's out of place. There's not a single word that is out of place. Literally, every single letter has meaning and purpose. So does what Jesus did whenever he was on the earth. It was no accident that Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath. So we're going to read this story because the man walks away seeing after he was blinded from birth. And the religious leaders are going to gather. And remember, they're mad at Jesus. They wanted to kill Jesus. And you would think seeing a miracle like this, they would say, Wow, you really are who you say you are. But instead, they take a different route. So the man comes back seeing therefore the neighbors and those who had previously seen that he was blind said is this not he who sat and begged some said this is he others said he is like him it's, it's probably his twin brother jesus probably pulled the old switcheroo he's been waiting for 30 years to perform this miracle surely it wasn't a real like man who who grew new eyes that couldn't be the case right I bet the Pharisees were thinking that. Oh, I bet the man had a brother, and he he just kind of looks like him. It's not really him. But he said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes opened? He answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight Do you think he would have received sight had he not gone and washed at the Pool of Siloam? Then they said to him, Where is he? I don't know, he said. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to him, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This man is not from God. He just healed a person, but he's not from God because he picked the wrong day. That's what the Pharisees say. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? What do you say about Jesus? Because he opened your eyes. Who do you say Jesus is? Whenever people come to you asking you about faith and why they should believe, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? I know who he is to me. He saved my life. He healed me. He opened my eyes from being blind. And now, this man who was blind from birth, begging for food all the days of his life, had his eyes open, and now he's being questioned by people who just go on a murderous rampage anytime anybody does anything on the wrong day. Anytime anybody says something wrong, they will literally pick up stones and murder you for it. And they're asking him, this group of people, they're asking him, who do you think he is? He's a prophet, the man replies. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received a sight until they called the parents of him who had received a sight. And they asked them saying, "Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see?" His parents answered them and said, "We don't, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees we don't know, or who opened his eyes we do not know." He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, so ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. Confess that Jesus is a sinner because he did a work on the Sabbath. Now, I don't know about you, I don't know about this man, but I know that in my life, I would hope that if I were questioned along this line, I would be able to stand firm in my faith and say that, no, Jesus is not a sinner. He is the Savior of the world. And it doesn't matter what trials you're about to put me through, my God is bigger than that. Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you again. I told you already. And you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Who, that's a dig, isn't it? You want me to keep telling you the story? Are you, are you trying to be his disciples? I bet that made them angry, didn't it? Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. You saw me day after day. You walked to the synagogue. You saw me begging. Why didn't you do anything to help me? You're supposed to be the religious leaders. You're supposed to be the ones who helped me. But there I sat day after day after day begging for food. I don't know who he is other than he just healed me whenever all these years of you being Moses' disciples, you didn't do anything for me. But this man came and opened my eyes. And I'm not going to tell a lie about this man because he stopped and healed me. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, he says, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone open the eyes of one who is born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So here's this blind man teaching the religious leaders, the teachers of the day, the scholars, the one who know everything. They know what's right, they know what's wrong, they hold the knowledge, they hold the keys. They are in charge, and this man who knows nothing is teaching them. What was he saved for like 10 seconds, 10 minutes, a day, two days? And he's already defending Jesus? He's already being a witness to others? We get so worked up in knowing all the right facts to being able to defend our faith. But this man just says, I don't know. He healed me. That's enough for me. That should be enough for you. They answered him and said, you are completely born in sins and you are teaching us and they cast him out. Now where's Jesus? Here he is. Now Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? So Jesus heals the man. The man goes to the pool, washes his eyes, he sees. The Pharisees bring him in, start to question him. They have to bring in his parents to identify him to make sure this really is the man that he claims to be. They fact-check this, that yes, this is a true miracle. Jesus really did form eyes out of clay and cause this blind man who is blind from birth to be able to see. Fact-checked, but he did it on the wrong day. So Jesus is still a sinner and a liar, is what the Pharisees are accusing him of. Meanwhile, Jesus is just being Jesus, right? He, he knows his, his destiny. He knows his time had not yet come. Remember, he can see past, present, and future, and hypothetical. He's just waiting for the blind man to come back out so that he can talk to him. What does he say? Do you believe in the Son of God? Now, Jesus is going to stop all of us at some point in our lives Maybe he's already done that to you. And he's going to ask you, do you believe in the Son of God? Now maybe you believe. Maybe you believe that God exists. Maybe you believe that Jesus exists. But listen to this. It takes more than just believing. Even the demons believe and they tremble before an almighty God. But he answered, the blind man answers, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him And it is he who is talking with you. It says here, listen to this. Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He worshipped him. Now you can have all sorts of ideas, all sorts of theology memorized. You can have all of scripture memorized cover to cover. That doesn't get you into heaven. That doesn't get you into a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is attempting to open your eyes because we are all born blind in sin, not able to distinguish the light from the darkness, and he has to physically come in and heal us from that, bringing us from death to life, from evil to good. Replace our stone hearts with a heart of flesh, and in that, we should have a spirit of worship. It's not enough to just believe. You have to worship. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and for those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? How in the world do they just have the gall to say something like that to Jesus. I I, I may just be misinterpreting this, but I picture them in their, their big hats and their robes, that they have different robes for every occasion, and they have stuff dangling off them. They're anointed with oil at all times. They smell good. They look good. They have an entourage with them. And they say, Jesus, surely we're not blind as well. Jesus said to them, "If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains." I think this is a word to the church. I think this is a word for us who are believers. We do not want to become pharisaical in our beliefs. We don't want to be like the Pharisees looking down our noses on other people casting judgment. On them if that's who we are and that's what we're doing then we are blind how do we fix that we recognize the miracles that jesus is trying to perform in our lives and we bow down in worship of the god who created us not only did he create us not only does he sustain every part of this universe not only has he placed you in your particular time in human history, not only has he done all these things for you in your life, he also enters directly into your life, gets involved, even in the messy parts, wants to be a part of that, and wants you to worship. And when you do that, he will heal your blindness, and he will set you, set you on the right path. Now, this is something that we have to do each and every day. We have to die to ourselves. We have to take up our cross. We have to follow Jesus. And maybe maybe it's just become routine for you. Maybe you're in life and, and you've just kept doing the same things over and over. And eventually, you hear the gospel and, and you just have it committed to memory and it doesn't actually spark any kind of new life in you. I, I would recommend you just Fall on your face before God Almighty and beg him to open your eyes. He will heal you. You can't depend on other people for that. You can't depend on anybody else. You can't even do it yourself. You have to have the Holy Spirit of God working in you. I'm going to ask Tim to come up as we close. Um, If you would, please stand, bow your heads, and close your eyes. I'm not sure where you're at here this morning. Maybe you've been a believer your entire life. Maybe you've heard this story a hundred times. My prayer for you is that your eyes would be opened anew, like it's the first time you heard it, and that your hearts would not be hard here this morning, but that you would be receptive to the truth of his word. And that whenever anybody asks you, What is the hope? How do you have hope? I'm struggling. I don't know how to make it through this world. It's too tough. How do you have hope? I pray that you just have the answer and that it's Jesus. I have hope because Jesus healed me. I have hope because I was dead and he made me alive. Without him, I would be nothing in this world. You may be in sin here this morning. Come to the altar and confess that. Allow God to work in your life because unconfessed sin will fester and grow. Maybe it's that you haven't trusted him enough in a certain situation. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're grieving. Come let Jesus heal you. Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, that you still perform miracles today. Lord, without you, we'd be lost, broken and undone in our sin. We would be living in darkness. Lord, as long as you are present in the lives of us, we are lampstands holding your light up high in a world filled with darkness. Father, in the book of Revelation, you threaten to take away our lampstand if we're not an obedient church. And so, Father, I pray that you would just continue to strengthen us and renew us in your spirit. We can't do it on our own, Lord. Father, we give you all the glory. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You can follow along with me on your sermon notes on the back of the bulletin. So, So I was uh, preparing a message, Pastor Jim always gives me plenty of time for messages and I kind of, am I popping again? That fix it, kind of? This isn't going to work for me because I move around a lot, so. We good? It's Not popping, alright. Alright, so uh, Pastor Jim always gives me plenty of time to prepare for sermons and that sort of thing. Maybe it's the, the, the peas that are popping. There we go. Need a pop filter on there. I think. I think we're good now. We're good to go. Does that sound better? All right. Try number three. <laughs> <laughs> number four. I, uh, I may just have to get a handheld. We'll see. All right. No, we're good. We're good. We're just going to work our way through. We didn't have any of these issues this morning. So he always gives me time to prepare I have sermons that that I've prepared just as the Lord gives them to me I had things ready to go and I got ready to uh, Put everything into proclaim and I was really kind of stressing about it and God had something different for me He kept telling me John chapter 9 and so I actually had to read through most of the gospel of John before I listen to the Lord, which is what I should have done in the first place. Amen and I got here and I read through it, and I thought, this is this is great. Now, what are my points going to be? And I couldn't come up with any points. And so, you're just going to hear it as I come up with it here this morning, the points that the Lord just kind of puts on my heart. Uh, he led me through the first service, and I have faith that he's going to do the same. And so, uh, we, we were only about an hour late on the first service, so it shouldn't be too bad today. You'll get to, get to lunch around right? noon. It should be all right. You guys can... Can wait to eat, right? Just kidding. It didn't take that long. We are in the Gospel of John, chapter nine, here this morning. And to give you a little bit of context, this is two thousand years ago. This is in the nation of Israel, and we are still getting popping. I'm switching over, Aaron. Okay, now we're good. So 2,000 years ago, put yourself in the shoes of an Israelite. Uh, You are around this place called Jerusalem where there's one gigantic temple and its walls are full of gold. It has all kinds of things in it, and that's where the sacrifice for your sins happens. You go to Jerusalem And you gather together, and a high priest comes in and sacrifices uh, an animal on behalf of you for your sins. Now, they didn't have McDonald's. They don't have any Wi-Fi. They don't have uh, indoor plumbing, that sort of thing. And so none of the modern amenities afforded to us today. In fact, it was pretty dry and arid. It was hot all the time. And you d- you kind of struggled for food. That was, that was the biggest thing. You didn't just have food at every single store and around every corner and in every restaurant or anything like that. Now, life was hard just with all of that. There's, there's no doubt about it that people starve to death. Also, if you said the wrong things... People may pick up stones and literally kill you on the street for saying the wrong thing. And so this was a pretty harsh environment to be in. Now you have Jesus, who comes onto the scene. He is the representation of God on earth. And he begins talking in this big temple, teaching them. Just kind of shattering their viewpoints on what they are doing. Now, the last thing that you see in the Gospel of John chapter 8 is that Jesus is actually being ran out of the temple because he makes a truth claim. He says that before Abraham was, before he even existed, I am. Now, that may not seem like much to you, but to the Jewish people, he was using God's holy name in the Old Testament as a reference to himself. God is the great I am. He's self-defining, self-existent. He knows all things, past, present, future, hypothetical. He knows all things. And so they, the the temple leaders, got up some some rocks, and they were going to kill Jesus. But Jesus, I don't know what he did. I don't know if he teleported or or went invisible or what he did, but he seemed to pass through the crowd unnoticed. So that's where we pick up in the Gospel of John chapter 9. It says here in verse 1, Now as Jesus passed by... He saw a man who was blind from birth. Now, I want to stop and describe this because there's something special about this case. And I think Scripture sort of uses wording that sugarcoats it a little bit for us. The man was literally born without eyes. That's the way you can interpret this. It wasn't that he was just blind. He didn't physically have eyes. So now as Jesus passed by, remember, he he just left. The Pharisees. He saw a man who was born, born blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, the disciples stick their, their feet in their mouths a lot, right? I, I just wonder you have somebody who is literally begging for food in an environment that is really just awful. Uh, you don't get much food, and if you can't work, you probably are not going to eat unless somebody has mercy and compassion on you. So here this man sat day after day, blind, so he could not work, and he would just ask for food, hoping to get something each and every day. Now the disciples are walking with Jesus, who is the representation of God on this planet, and instead of saying, Jesus Can you make some, like, a pile of bread or, like, multiply some fish for this man? Instead, they're like, whose sin caused this to happen to this man? Was it him or his parents? Somebody has to be at fault. But Jesus' answer is this. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now that's an interesting response. It's not a result of sin that this man was born without eyes. It's not a result of his parents. It's not a result of something he did or would do. What is it for? It's so that God can show his glory through this. Now, I talk about this passage almost every time I preach. We're going to be turning over to Acts 17, verses 26 and 27. I want you to notice that this man was just randomly sitting on the street, and Jesus passed by and saw him. Now, you might think that was a unique thing, but let me just tell you, God sees each and every person. In fact, he sees them so well that he has placed you in a particular time in human history. He has placed you right where you need to be. You could have been born in Rome, ancient Rome, ancient Egypt. You could have been born a thousand years into the future and have a flying car. You could be born whenever, but instead you were born right here. And why is that? How do I know that? Because of Acts 17, 26 and 27. It says he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Why? So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. God has placed you right where you are so that you have the greatest chance of your own free will, to reach up and find him. Now, God does all the work in this. He he sets it in your heart to reach for him. He does these things, but he has placed you right, right where you need to be, just the same as he placed the blind man right where he was supposed to be, to bring him glory, to show his power and his magnificence through the world. So let's get back to the blind man, the story here. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. That's such a strange verse, isn't it? You see anything like that anywhere else in scripture? It's, it's, it's strange. What, I believe what he's doing is he's actually forming eyes with the clay. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent So he went and washed and came back seeing. Something to notice here. Was the blind man healed whenever Jesus put the eyes inside of his head? No. He was healed whenever he obeyed and went to the pool of Siloam and washed. Because it says he came back seeing. He went to the well blind. He came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man named Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. Now just like God has appointed this man to show his glory by healing him, I believe that God has placed each one of you in a position where God is going to show his glory through you as well. Now some of you may be looking at me like, Kevin, you're crazy, but you just read it in Acts chapter 17. How much pain and suffering did this man have to go through in life? Maybe pain and suffering that we have no idea. Maybe some of you have a better idea of how much pain and suffering he went through. God's not leaving you in your pain and suffering. He was right there. He's just one step away. He is actually using that pain and suffering to draw you closer to him so that your eyes can be open, so that you don't have to see the world through your own lens anymore, that you don't have to filter the world through darkness. Because that's exactly what is happening. This world is filled with darkness. It is filled with sin. And until Jesus opens our eyes, that's the only way we can see. Is through darkness and sin. But my prayer this morning is that you would come to find Jesus so that he can open your eyes and make a miraculous healing happen in your life. It may not look the same as this man. It may be that the entire trajectory of your life changes. I know that's what happened to me. My entire life changed whenever I met Jesus, and not in some sort of, like, you know, just a uh, Hallmark commercial movie way, like in a real way. It didn't happen instantaneously. It took months and months, and it took God working on my heart it took me a lifetime to get my life to where it was, and it would be a lifetime trying to conform to who God wants me to be. But it was a miracle. And the only thing I wanted to do was tell everybody about it. And if you've experienced that same miracle of, of Jesus bringing you from death to life, from blindness to sight, then you will want to tell about it as well. Now listen here, This we're going to get into this next section, and notice that this man who is just healed, he has everything to lose still. he He still doesn't have a job yet, I mean this is fresh, he just had his eyes healed, and people are beginning to question him. So here come the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the ones who cast stones at people for, you know, like healing people on the wrong day, or for... Uh, saying the wrong words. They brought him who was formerly blind to the Pharisees. Now, it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. That, I figured it out. That's the problem. Jesus accidentally healed on the wrong day. That's what happened. Jesus meant to heal on a different day. He healed on the Sabbath. He shouldn't have done that. And uh, Jesus is now going to go apologize to the Pharisees, right? That's how the story goes. Not at all, is it? Do you think Jesus does anything by accident? No. Every chapter, verse, line, every word in this scripture, every letter has been placed in meticulous order by the God who can see past, present, future, and hypothetical to be an effective tool in our lives to shape us into who we need to be. So no, Jesus didn't heal the man on the Sabbath by accident. He knew exactly what he was doing. The Pharisees asked him again how he had received a sight, and he said, "He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see." Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, "This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath." Are you kidding me? He just healed a man. But you're mad because he didn't keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? Now let's pause here. What do you say about Jesus since he opened your eyes? If somebody approaches you asking you about the hope that is in you, why do you have hope in this life? This world is hard. Life is hard. It seems like everything that we go through is just like a process that just never ends. And everything has to be so difficult in this life. How do you have hope? How do you get through it? Well, I hope as believers you can say, it's because Jesus opened my eyes and I see the world different. Do I still struggle? Absolutely. Does pain and suffering still happen? Absolutely. Do I have a God who reaches down to save me and help me through all of it? Absolutely. This is the reason for the hope that I have. Now notice, this blind man has been healed for like 10 minutes. And already he's defending Jesus. Notice that. How many times in your life has somebody came to you asking about Jesus and maybe you didn't have a response? Maybe you just didn't know the right words to say or they had a difficult question. You didn't know quite how to answer it. Well, this man didn't have any answers to anything. I don't even know how he did it. He just like put some clay on my eyes and then I could see after I washed. I don't know how Jesus did it. I was in pain and I cried out to him, Lord, save my family, save my marriage. And he entered into my life and began to work on my life. You see, it's not complicated. It's not anything where you have to memorize a whole bunch of things. It is just speaking the truth about what God has done in your life. So what does the man say about Jesus? He's a prophet. A prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who would received his sight. And they asked him, saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? So it's not enough that the man was just there. I guess he had a twin brother, right? I guess they just did like a swap real quick. And that's what the Pharisees thought. Well, he, you know, there's no way that he was actually healed. That was probably just a trick that Jesus did. Like he, he was in makeup and he put a wig on and pretended to be this other man. Let's go get his parents and make sure. The parents come in, they're like, yeah, that's our son. You know, we, we, can, we can definitely tell that's him. His parents answered and said, we, don't, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes? And we don't, don't know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, so ask him. So again they called the man who is blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. They're just trying everything they can. These people have the authority to kill on a whim these people who probably walked by the blind man day after day after day doing the duties of the temple yet rejecting this man who was begging for food maybe they helped him with food maybe they had cartloads of food that they wanted everybody to see that they were helping him i don't know one thing i do know is that jesus came along and gave him more than food Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to be his disciples? Man, could you imagine the audacity to be able to say something like that to these Pharisees? Like, why are you grilling me about this? Do you also want to follow him? That sounds like a snarky, sarcastic response. As somebody who is oftentimes snarky and sarcastic, I think I can pick up on, on sarcasm whenever I see it. And so he is, he is saying that, really? Do you, you want to be his disciples as well? Then they reviled him. They were, they were ticked. That just completely set them off you are his disciple but we are Moses' disciples we know that God spoke to Moses as for this fellow we don't know where he's from the man answered and said to them why this is a marvelous thing that you don't know where he is from yet he has opened my eyes now we know that God does not does not hear sinners but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will he hears him since the world began it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So here this man is, sitting at the temple entrance, begging for food day after day. He receives his sight. The Pharisees just can't believe it. In fact, they verify that it was him, that a miracle happened, that... Jesus actually is the one who did this, yet they're still attempting to cast Jesus as a sinner and as somebody who is not worthy of his title. And So this man is teaching the Pharisees who are supposed to have all this great knowledge. Since the beginning of the world, nothing like this has happened, and you walk by me every single day. While I'm hungry, and I can't work, and I can't provide for myself or for anybody else, you walk right past me. But this man didn't. Now, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. I don't know hardly anything about him. I know that his name is Jesus, and that he healed me from my blindness. Now, it doesn't say that in here, but I'm sure he would like to know more about Jesus. Jesus. I'm sure he would like to spend his life trying to figure out exactly what Jesus has in store for him. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins and you are teaching us? So they cast him out. Now, I don't know what Jesus had been doing during this time, but Jesus shows back up on the scene. This man who is just healed has been grilled and interrogated by the Pharisees. They like, Drag his parents in to come and talk to him to verify that it's him they're asking him the same thing over and over and over, and then Jesus I just picture is kind of patiently waiting like outside the temple, knowing that this man is going to come back out and Jesus is going to have his follow up conversation now at this point. so the Pharisees cast the man out, who was formerly blind, but now he could see cast him out instead of accept, accepting him as a you know a healed man and maybe incorporating him in and giving god glory for what he did nope you're done you didn't say what we wanted you to say so you're out jesus heard that they had cast him out and when he had found him he said to him do you believe in the son of god that's the question for us today do you do we believe in the son of god now, you'll notice in his response, it's not just enough to believe. It says, even the demons believe and they tremble before God Almighty, before a holy and just God. It's not just enough to believe. You need something else here. It says, he answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he, what's the next word? worshipped him. You see, maybe you've sat here and you've believed your whole life and nothing has really changed. The demons believe. They, they may have seen God at some point, in some form. They believe, but nothing about them changed. You see, something has to happen in your heart. Jesus has to heal you. You're blind if you don't have Jesus And he wants to heal that blindness. He wants to enter into this world as light and filter everything that you experience through that light. You don't have it. You're filtering the world through darkness. And believe me, that's not a place you want to be, filtering everything that this world sends your way in darkness. Because if that's the only way that you see life, That's how you're going to live life. Jesus wants a better way for you. He wants to heal that and allow you to see. Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Are you kidding me? The ones who just tried to stone Jesus, saw direct act, a direct miracle from Jesus, heard the testimony of the man, have heard and followed Jesus everywhere. They're going to say, oh, so Jesus, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Because of your pride, because of your arrogance, because of who you think you are before God Almighty. You think you're something special because of all the works that you do for human praise. And because of that, you're blind. You can't see. If you weren't blind, you'd see me. And you'd allow me to open your eyes and filter life through that lens instead of through darkness, instead of through pride and arrogance through self-serving and those sorts of things. Now, church, there's a a lesson in here for us. If we continue to do things out of our own strength, if we continue to do things to where we we just want to look good on the outside, then we're blind. We need to be doing things because Jesus has called us to do these things. We need to be Trying to invest our time and our energy into getting to know the will of the Lord instead of our own will. Because if we're doing it on our own, we are just blind and we need to be able to see. The other way that Jesus is described here is he's the light of the world. The way the churches are described is that we are lampstands that hold up the light. And in Revelation, it talks about how God can remove those lampstands from those churches. It doesn't mean that he'll just take away your salvation, that sort of thing. That's not what it's implying. It's that if we are just meeting because it's the thing to do, because it's our religion, because it's, it's the good country club that we need to be in, if that's the only reason we're here, then we're no longer going to be shining the light of Jesus. We're going to be shining the light of First Baptist That's not a place we want to be. We want everything that we do to be a reflection of Christ in us. And so if there's something in your life that is drawing you away from Jesus, an idol, uh, a darkness that's in your life, if you have the blinders on, maybe you've been saved and had your eyes open, but life has got to you, and you're backsliding and you just don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, maybe you're feeling depressed or ashamed or, or bitter, or envious, or jealous, or prideful, any of those things are getting in our way of, of Jesus. You see, it, it said in Acts 17, he's not far from any one of us. He, he's close. In fact, God doesn't move anywhere. We're the ones who move away from the Lord God Almighty. We choose to put him in a place, in a little box somewhere, where we can take him out and use him whenever we want, but whenever he asks anything of us or asks us to change or shape who we are, we want to deny him and say, no, Lord, uh, we can see just fine on our own. We don't need your help. And that is not a place where we need to be. If he says to go, we need to go. If he heals you and he says, go wash, you need to go wash. Go wash. That's how God works. And he wants to use each and every one of us to bring glory to himself. So uh, I'm going to ask Tim to come up. We're going we're gonna to go into a time of invitation. If you would please stand. If there's any among us who, who just need to pray, to cry out to God, just to open their eyes, um, I would encourage you to do that. If you need to uh, speak with somebody, I would be willing to to speak with you during this invitation or after the service. Um, There's no gimmicks, nothing like that. God created the universe. He sees you. He placed you right where you are in human history. All the trials and the troubles and the suffering that you've experienced are so that you can look up and find Him. So don't waste this opportunity Don't waste another day living in darkness. Surrender to him. He is the light of the world, and he can change your entire life. You just have to be willing to accept that free gift. If you need to pray because you have an idol in your life, come on up and pray. If you need to pray for somebody, you come on up and pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We want to thank you that even though we're born blind, we're born dead, in our sin, we are born in darkness. Lord, you overcome all those things whenever we surrender and submit to you. And Lord, we're so thankful that you draw each and every one of us to you. But Lord, I know that in a room this size, some have not accepted that free gift. And so I would ask, not, not in a weird, gimmicky way or anything, just, just ask the question, why not? What is keeping you from accepting Jesus? Maybe it's some bad experiences in life. Maybe it's some bad church members who did bad things in your life. Maybe it's you had, a, had an experience that just was so traumatic that you don't even know how to overcome it. And maybe you're blaming God here this morning. Just ask him. Lord, this pain and this tragedy happened to me. The Lord, help me to see it through light instead of darkness. Father, we pray that you move among us during this time of invitation. Holy Spirit, draw on the hearts and the minds of everybody here. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray.